Yay! Here we're back. We're back for our uh, official first episode. Yeah, it's the and official first episode of yep. Unexplained Oregon. We're very excited and excited that you came back to listen, or maybe you just now picked it up. Um, and yeah, we just were really excited about doing this one. This is a story that hits home with my heart. And I think it's because I have a son this boy's age. And so um, we're going to talk about Kyron Horman today. Yeah. And I remember when this happened, they were in second grade. And I remember looking at my son and thinking, what the F? Like, mm -hmm. I would be a total basket case. Like, I don't... Usually, my form of anxiety, I don't sleep when I'm, when I'm stressed out. So I couldn't even imagine like having to go on TV and talking about your missing child. Like yeah. it, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and really sad to think about, but, um, we've been talking a lot about Kyron since we started talking about doing this. Yeah. Uh, we, we were originally talking about maybe doing like a series on him, but Dr. Phil friggin' ruined that for us, I think. <laughs> and no, Dr. He, Phil. That damn Dr. <laughs> Phil. He actually has, like, a, I think it's a six series podcast on Chiron that is worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth listening to because he brings a shadow of doubt towards the stepmother who was the last person with Kyron that day. Okay. And that's kind of where I'm going to go with this today. Okay. Uh, I personally feel like she has something to do with it and she's shady and we're going to talk about that. So you might hear this and probably know more information than us or, you know, have more information about this, um, have read more or what have you. And, and that's okay if you do. I think it's so important that we at least bring energy to him today. Like, if, if, if all of us just think about Kyron today and put ourselves in these parents' shoes. Like, I, since we've started talking about doing this, I've thought about him probably once a week. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gone on and researched it. And, and then I started thinking... Probably not an hour goes by that these parents don't think about him. Right, right. And, and that's really scary to think. You know, I have that sinking feeling once a week when I go on and look at his little picture. Not an hour goes by that these people don't know where their child is. It's really, really sad. And it's sad that it's been almost 10 years. Yeah. And we still don't have answers. Yeah, if you Google missing people in Oregon, I mean, his little face is like one of the first things to pop up. Um, you know, I think he's kind of kind of iconic at this point for cases in Oregon. Um, so, you know, that this is um this is where we're 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 starting because it's like you said it's been 10 years and and there really have been no answers. It's really crazy. Mm -hmm. That to me is crazy. Yeah. Um, it just a really sinking feeling. So I hope that, you know, if you listen to this, you're thinking about him and 
you at least go on there and refresh your memory about, you know, where you were at 10 years ago when you heard this story. And just to think that where I was at, I was looking at my second grader, Mm -hmm. you know, and now he's about to graduate high school. Yeah. There was a lot of years in there that this family didn't have with their son. Uh, Yeah. So Kim, I wasn't living in Oregon at the time. So this case isn't, um, I don't know the case as well. So I don't, it doesn't, um, hit me in the same ways as it does you. So tell me a little bit about like the early history of the family. Okay. And then like how, where was he living? What's his story? You know, maybe we should start there. So our little guy was, uh, born September 9th, 2002, uh, which made him a Virgo. And, uh, as far as everything I've read, he was a very smart little boy, uh, and uh, just he was in advanced math, uh, in a good spot. He, at the time that this happened, he was living with his dad. So his dad's name is Kane Horman. His mother's name is Desiree Young, and it sounds like they were never together. Okay. She filed for divorce when she was eight months pregnant with Chiron. So, uh, at some point it was reported that Chiron went to go live with his dad, uh, up in Portland, which is about four hours North about where, where his mother was living at the time. And I read it had to do something with, she became ill. And so there was really no custody battle issues. It was more of an issue where she needed Kane to step in Mm. and help with Chiron. And it sounded like they had an amicable relationship. They, uh, there was visitation there. Uh, shortly after Chiron went to go live with his father, uh, Terry, Terry came into the picture and that was Kane's girlfriend. Eventually Terry and Kane got married in 2007 and that was about three years prior to the crime. Okay. I'm just going to call it a crime. Because we're going to talk about theories today, and uh, and that's just a little trigger warning there. We're going to talk about maybe something disturbing happening to a child. Sure. So we're going to call it the day of the crime. So uh, about one year after they got married in 2007, they had a little daughter. So at the time that this happened, Kyron was living with his father his stepmother, her son, and his, uh, his sister, his, uh, almost two year old sister at the time. And how heartbreaking for his sister, you know, Mm -hmm. she probably doesn't remember him, uh, and everything she's learned maybe about her brother is through the media. It doesn't sound like maybe, she's with the mom now. It's just a really hard, I feel my heart goes out for her. Sure. It really does. Yeah. Cause she was actually, she, we're going to talk about her cause she was actually there the day that he went missing. Okay. So, uh, so at some point Desiree marries as well. So Kyron has two sets of parents. He has his parents in Portland that he's living and he, and he has his, uh, mother Desiree and his stepfather. And, uh, so we're going to talk about the timeline, the day of the crime. Uh, 
or the day that he went missing, we should say. Okay. And like I said, uh, my intention is just to cash a, put a, a shadow of a doubt on Terry because I, or the stepmother, because I just really believe she had something to do with this. And I, and the reason why I believe that is because of the way she acted after the fact Mm -hmm. and just some of the shady stuff that she did that you just wouldn't probably do if your child goes missing. And it really casts this huge shadow over her. And, and so really, I think today we're going to talk about what we know, Okay. what we know where, where Terry was and what happened. So the facts that we have 10 the years facts later. that we have. Okay. Yes. So uh, our story starts at Skyline Elementary School. And if anyone Googles a picture of Kyron or, you know, like you said, has seen Organ News, they're going to see a picture of this little boy next to this science project, this tree frog science project. That is the last picture of Kyron uh, that we know of. And it was taken the morning that he went missing. Okay. Uh, And it was taken at Skyline Elementary School. So apparently Terry and and Kyron arrived to Skyline Elementary School around 8 o'clock. And there is a science fair going on. And so they go to the science fair. That's where Terry takes that picture. And she, people see her with Kyron. People see her taking that picture. So we know that that is a fact. We know it is a fact that they were together at eight o'clock at Skyline Elementary School. Okay. And she had her daughter with her. Uh, Then Terry, then the story is Terry walks Kyron to the class, but instead of walking him to the class, she says that she walks him down to the end of a hall and watches him walk down the hall towards his class. So she doesn't actually walk him to the door of his classroom that morning. Hmm. Her story is she's standing at the end of the hall and watches him walk towards his class. That's the last time anyone has seen Kyron. Okay, I'm looking at his sweet picture online right now. It's just, yeah, the last so photos. So sad are... with his little CSI shirt mm-hmm. it's, and his glass. He's, it's just, it breaks your heart. Everyone should look at that picture. It's horrible. So Terry says that that's the last, the last she has seen Kyron. So then we know, uh, and that was around 845. So they were supposedly at Skyline for about 45 minutes at this fair. Uh, so then at 9 o'clock, from 9 o'clock to about 9.12, she is seen at Fred Meyer, uh, to, and she's there to fill a prescription for her daughter. And we know this for a fact because she is on camera getting a Starbucks coffee and, and that's what's so great about this day and age. You can't really go anywhere without friggin' yeah. being on camera. And Fred so, Meyer's a, a, a local known store to people in Oregon. Um, and yes. it's a, a kind of a one-stop shopping store. It's got groceries and clothing and 
anything you could put furniture Everything. anything you possibly need it's kind of a one-stop shopping um center yes so she's there she is seen on camera getting a coffee uh she's unable to fill the prescription for her daughter this is her story so and mind you everything i'm telling you is her story um, and we can back it up with these camera sightings. So she's, her story is kind of falls along because we can back it up. At 9.30, uh, she ends up at another Fred Meyer. Okay. In, uh, on Southwest Walker Road in Beaverton, Oregon. And uh, we know that because there it's reported that she ran into someone that she knew that she worked out with at the gym. Okay. And this is the first red flag for me. She runs into this woman named Andrea, and this is uh, reported from Andrea, and she shows Andrea a picture of Kyron at the science fair to Andrea. Okay. And Andrea reportedly said that she thought that was odd because they weren't even talking about Kyron. Uh, and she just, she made it a huge point to bring up her pictures and show her and talk about Kyron at this siren, at this science fair. Hmm. Seems so, strange. Yeah. Seems very strange that you would run into someone, you know, from the gym and, uh, Terry was the kind of person that always posted on her Facebook. So if you would look at her Facebook, there was always, there was pictures of the kids and stuff. So in her defense, maybe that wasn't strange to her, but to this woman, she did reportedly say that, you know, I thought it was very odd that she brought him up, you know, then mm -hmm. and there. Uh, and then she confirmed with her that her baby was sick and they talked about the baby. Uh, in that same complex of the Fred Meyer that she was at, there was like a dry cleaner in that same complex. So it's reported that at around 10 o'clock, she was seen at the dry cleaner. They know she dropped off clothes. She didn't have her daughter with her, but it sounds like she just pulled up and ran in some clothes and came back to her vehicle, which... Uh, you know, because no one, no one did see her with her daughter when she dropped off those dry cleaning clothes. But that's what everyone is assuming. Okay. That the daughter was in the car. Then we have some time here where she goes completely unaccounted for. Hmm. And no one knows where she's at. So uh, that she was last seen dropping off those clothes there was one more sighting actually at a Michael's craft store at 10:15. There was a possible camera sighting of her vehicle there. And then by 10:39, she goes unaccounted for for about an hour and a half. Which is really strange. Uh there's been reports of her cell phone pinging off of Savi Island, which is pretty close to this area in Portland. But there hasn't been a true concrete answer from Terry where she was at during that hour. Okay. So theory, I don't know. Was was Kyron tied up in her car somewhere? 
Was this her opportunity to drop him off to someone? Was this something that she arranged? Uh, you know, you just don't know. There's a, there's a huge question there because she can't say where she was at during that hour. She says she was driving around trying to get her daughter to take a nap. Okay, so th- at this point, um, we're getting a snapshot of what her morning looks like. This is based on her um, story of what she did that day. And there was a lot of surveillance. You know, she was at places where there was surveillance. Yes. At this point, though, no one's been alerted to anything in terms of Chiron. No one's everyone, been alerted. Okay, everyone believes he's been dropped off at school. There's a photo of him being, you know, at the science fair with his project, which you can see online. And she's clearly going along with her day, running maybe some typical errands, but acting a little bit strange. Acting a little bit strange. Uh, yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, about why no one was alerted Okay. Uh, later on, because that, that's a huge no-no of this school. Like the fact that no one was alerted at this point was, is crazy. So she's unaccounted for, for about an hour at about 1140. She shows up at her gym that she normally works out at. She has her daughter. This is another red flag to me because I don't know about you, but when you have a sick daughter, you probably don't want to go work out in a gym. She had her daughter with her and she checked her into the daycare at the gym. Okay. And that to me is crazy. (laughs) You wouldn't want your sick daughter exposed to the daycare at the gym. I mean, I wouldn't. Okay. This is a little bit of judgment going on. And I just, it seems crazy to me that, and she was only there for a half hour. Hmm. Interesting. And, uh, she worked out for about 15, 20 minutes and then uh, for about another 15 to 20 minutes, she chatted it up with some other women. So she didn't really go there to work out. And if she did, she didn't get a very intense workout in. So I don't know. That to me was a was a red flag in my head. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, I know a lot of people <clears throat> that go to the gym regularly. Uh, I go sporadically. Um, I think sometimes a gym does become kind of a social, social place for a lot of women. Um, so, you know, and maybe seeing if she could... Um, you know, sneak her daughter into the, the daycare there without anybody noticing her daughter wasn't feeling well, just so she could get a break sure. maybe for yeah. a little bit, something like that. I mean, sure. but it, but it is, it is interesting, you know? Yeah, hmm. it is. So at about 1240, Terry returns home with her daughter. And at that time, her husband is there. Kane is at the home. He has no idea that Kyron's missing because no one has called him. Uh, and no one has called Desiree, who, remember, lives about four hours south of okay. where this happened. Mm-hmm. No one's called her either. At about one twenty-one, Terry uploads those pictures onto Facebook. 
and does a little Facebook blip of the science fair and of Chiron. Then at around 3.30, they all walk to the bus stop to go get Chiron, and he doesn't get off the bus. At, at about 3.46 that day, the first 911 call was made, okay. uh, stating that they don't know where their son is. Hmm. And uh, that was after they contacted Skyline, and Skyline said that he was never at the school that day. It's been, it's come out that they didn't call anyone because a couple days prior, Terry had told someone in the office, I'm not sure, another teacher, that Kyron was going to be at a doctor's appointment that day. Hmm. Interesting. Exactly. Which doesn't matter. I've worked, I've been a volunteer at an elementary school. There is specific protocol that you need to follow when a child does not show up for school. Right. I mean, you call everyone on the list. It's a very serious thing. Obviously, the ball was majorly dropped in this, in this instance. Right. Like, no one was notified. And what's even more heartbreaking is the first time that I believe Desiree was notified was after all this, had, after the 911 call had been made, and then Terry and Kane called Desiree. Okay. And then she had to make that trip up to Portland, which is just so sad in my heart that, I mean, because we've made that drive several times. Right. And could you imagine right. just taking that drive and not knowing and having all those questions in your head and having to drive it's just crazy it's really sad yeah so somewhere you know somewhere the ball got dropped whether or not a teacher or office staff was informed that Kyron would be missing that day for you know maybe you know clearly there was some communication that the school felt maybe they didn't need to alert a family member yes something fell through the cracks but it, it's it's curious to me that just the, the idea that he would show up there and maybe the teacher saw him and just assumed that then he'd be leaving for a doctor's appointment after that. Um, they just brought the science project in for, you know, to be part of that so he could get graded. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be interesting to find out more details about about that. And of course, 10 years ago, the protocol now, or even a few years later, maybe has changed even more um, in terms of just safety for our children. But a second grader, I mean, you would think that somebody would have notified someone exactly. quicker. Yeah. So mm-hmm. sad. So obviously my suspicion goes towards Terry. Like there is just this, and I think it's because of that time lapse where we don't know where she was during the day. I think it's because she, you know, she's the one that told someone that he wasn't going to be there on Friday. And there is been reported weird behavior that happened after the fact. So we're going to talk a little bit about some after crime shadiness uh, that just backs up why I feel so strongly that this woman has something to do with this. Bring on the shadiness. There is some crazy shadiness. And again, anybody can 
Google this information or do their own research and find all of this out. And I encourage everyone to do so because there is so much crazy information on this story. So I apologize if we're missing some of it. I'm just going to bring up what I pulled out of it and uh, thought was really crazy. So four days after the disappearance, uh, Terry starts posting on her Facebook. This is, you know, another red flag. And and one of those posts simply said, I'm hitting the gym tomorrow. (laughs) Now, (laughs) come on. I know it's like your, your stepson has gone missing four days ago. Are you really going to get on your Facebook page and post, I'm hitting the gym tomorrow? Like that is to me is crazy. And Okay, wait a second. So she actually got on her Facebook the day that they found out Kyron was missing? This is four days after. Four days after, okay. So this is four days after he's gone missing. And he's still missing. He's still missing to this day, okay? (laughs) So it's just the fact to me that, you know, she was going on her Facebook and posting some really just... I don't know, selfish, you know, I had to do all about with her. It has nothing to do with what's going on with Kyron. That to me is crazy. And then 26 days after he went missing, there was a strange report that she developed, she had a, this is gross, a sexting relationship, uh, ongoing conversation with uh, one of her husband's friends from high school. Hmm. So this conversation had uh, started, and this was about a month after Kyron went missing. So there's this reported affair that started happening. Okay. Which is, you know, another thing. This is all kind of just backs up why I think this lady is shady. Okay. Okay. <laughs> strictly my opinion. So she starts this affair online affair, mind you, whatever, with his friend from high school. And then there was a couple of failed polygraph tests that they gave her. And we've all heard they don't, they can't use them in court, whatever. But um, she did fail two polygraph tests that were issued to her afterwards. So we have that going on. Since this has happened, she's changed her name. So now she goes by Terry Moulton. And since the crime uh, in 2016, and this was after a Dr. Phil interview that everybody could see if they just go on YouTube and YouTube it, she was a, she's been arrested in California for stealing a gun from a roommate. And she was booked in Yuba County Jail for that. And that was like a day after she shot Dr. Phil. And then she was again arrested for stealing an automobile outside of San Francisco and booked in Marion County, California for that crime. So we're talking about someone here that might not have a good set of morals, right? Right. Like the feeling, the feeling I get reading about this woman, she's, she's a little bit shady. I did watch that Dr. Phil interview that she had in 2016 and he uh, he brings up the Facebook posts 
And she says that law enforcement told her to do that, told her to continue to act normal and do what she normally would. Okay. Okay. And then he brings up the sexting affair with her. And, you know, you know, Dr. Phil, he puts her on the spot. And she says that that was all in retaliation because Kane was having an affair. And uh, she was, she knew it was a setup, but she wanted to hurt him. It was just this weird kooky story. It was, it was like, seriously, grow up. Like, it was crazy. Hmm. So there's just some crazy after shadiness with Terry that I feel are really, you know, should be taken into consideration on who she is and, and the fact that she was the last person with Kyron that day. Uh, we can't trust anything she says, really, and we haven't been able to. There hasn't been any answers yet from from any of this. So, obviously, the police got involved, and I'm assuming, um, you know, that the father, biological father, ha- was, you know, unaware or probably in shock, as well as mom, biological mom. And so, what happened in terms of the investigation. Do we know a lot about it? So our investigation is still happening. What we do know is Kane ended up divorcing Terry and um, ended up filing, it sounded like another civil suit against her during that divorce trial, trying to gain access to financial information. So they ended up splitting up and uh, it sounds like he is raising their daughter and the investigation is still happening. It's still going on. No charges have ever been brought up against Terry, which is really crazy. She sounds like she moved on and she was able to change her name. And, and like I told you before, she's committed crimes since this happened. Okay. So we're still going with our investigation. It's still an ongoing investigation and an active investigation the the latest news that was just out was last summer and uh Kyron's mom actually is writing a book and she's teaming up with a well-known author named Rebecca Morris and Rebecca Morris has actually written a couple books she's written a book on Susan Powell that crazy case and um another Amish sad story she's written a book on and so they've teamed up and they're they're going to release this book and what's really great about this is all the proceeds that Desiree Young the mod Kyron's mom is going to get from this book are going to go directly towards helping other missing children so it sounds like this has changed Desiree's life how For could sure. it not mm-hmm She's she's talked about writing a chapter in this book and going into more on how it's how it's changed her and how how she's really becoming an advocate for missing children and how she will never give up on looking for Kyron. So there are active Facebook pages out there. Uh, There is one called Missing Kyron Horman. There's phone numbers on there. Of course, if you have any information, you would want to contact the Multnomah County Sheriff. And that phone number is 503-261-2847. There's a 50000 reward right now for anyone that has information that will bring Kyron home. 
Uh, And yeah, that's increased over the years. uh, And hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll bring him home. Yeah. It's, it's a sad, very, very sad story. And it just, it hits home and it's just really crazy. And I, I kind of wanted to talk about the Chiron constellation (laughs) and that whole story because I just think it's really weird how that happened, and you know the story, but I'm just going to, it's kind of a long little story, but I'm just going to tell it. So we, Christine and I had been talking about doing this podcast for months, I would say, you know, and mm-hmm, we would get together and uh, talk about it, and, and always from the get-go, it was like, okay, if we get it up off the ground or whatever, what kind of stories are we going to do? And immediately, Kyron's name popped into my head, and I remember saying, we have to do one on Kyron. Like, yep. he's just um, someone that has always been in my heart, and I think about him a lot, and I think a lot of Oregonians do. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had been talking about this for a while, this idea, this podcast, it had been brewing. And I guess this happened back in October. Um, I had gone to a concert with a friend, a really good friend of mine, and ended up drinking too much. <laughs> what? <laughs> Me? <laughs> that never happens. And... I call it my shit show. I I ended up like not fully enjoying this concert like I should have. And it was very disappointing because with this particular friend, we, we really like to go to live music and, and, and and dance. and, And it's just something that we do. It heals us a little bit, heals our soul. And this particular night, I had one too many vodka tonics, and I call it my shit show. Anyway, so I was feeling pretty bad about myself come Monday morning, and I was just driving on my way to work and listening to this podcast in in my car, and it happened to be uh, like a Psychic Insights from James Von Prague, that kooky psychic from the 90s. I don't know if you know who he is, but I think he was on Oprah a lot. And anytime, actually, I can find a podcast with a psychic take on it, like if they have a crime and they bring in a psychic and they review them, I find that so interesting. Definitely. I, it, like there was, do you remember there was that show that we used to watch a few years ago with those three psychics that they would bring three different psychics in and talk about this crime. And then they would all come together. Do you remember that? I don't remember it, but I feel like there's, there's been loved it. Yeah. 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 So I probably did some weird search about psychics and came across this podcast and it's actually pretty good. He has like little mindful insights and, uh, so it was on in the background as I'm driving in the car. I'm getting to my story here. And it's Monday and I'm feeling kind of shitty about my shit show. And I'm like, whatever. And I'm listening to James and um, he's talking about life purpose. And he's talking about how you you really should find a life purpose. And his take on it is we are all here for a life purpose. And if we don't find it, our souls might come back until we do find it. Right. Mm. And it's really important for you to find your life purpose. 
And as he's talking about it and I'm thinking about this shit show, I start thinking about our podcast because he starts talking about life purpose and finding something that makes you happy and gives you energy. And so, um, yeah, I'm thinking about my shit show and yeah, I'm going to turn my life around and I'm thinking about our podcast. And then all of a sudden James von Brock says, there's a constellation out there called Chiron. Hmm. And I almost drove off the road. Like it was, it hit home. It was like, I'm going to put my just... Mel Gibson voice on, like in that movie. <laughs> when the sign is Which there. Mo- <laughs> Signs. Signs. Okay. Meryl was sitting yes. right next to me. Please quote that movie. When, One when of the best movies ever. in front of you, you got to see it. <laughs> You gotta watch it. I mean, it was like a sign. It was like, oh my God. So then he goes in talking about this constellation Chiron and how it symbolizes the wounded healer and, uh, and it symbolizes healing and transformation and awareness, spiritual growth and service to others. Hmm. And those are kind of all kind of hit home why we're doing this, right? Sure. Yeah, and it was it was a sign for me, and it was just weird that it that the constellation was named Chiron, and it came on at that exact moment that I was thinking about our podcast and my life purpose, and I I don't know I just I thought it was a weird little thing. Yeah, maybe a, a sign, like you said, and also, you know, I agree with you. I I did a little bit of when you when you shared that with me, I did a little bit of investigating and you know, kind of drew out the constellation and really put some thought and energy into it. And I think no matter what, we just kept coming back to Chiron. Yes. And I think it was, it was kind of meant to be that, that he be, you know, the person that we focus our energy on today, because, you know, like you said, it's been 10 years and it's unbelievable to me that a little boy could go to school one day and literally disappear. So and, sad. It's so scary. You know, the the story is is that that Terry dropped him off and and went on with her day, right? And what we know is that he wasn't there. He literally disappeared from that school. He was there and then he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So how how is that explained? It's it's bizarre and it's sad and um you know 10 years later we're still wondering very yes we are and I just hope one day we have answers you know it's just it's like when you think about John Bonet and those stories and they just they sit with you and it's like will those will they ever have the answer and I just pray and hope that they do and Mm -hmm. I hope that by us putting his name out there and spending a little bit of our day thinking about him. I mean, that can't hurt. So I hope everyone that's listening does the same. Definitely. I know throughout this, Kim, you mentioned a couple of red flags. I think that that is what we want to talk about um, during these episodes is, you know, maybe some, some times throughout where you're, um, you're, feelers, your intuition just kind of stepped in as you were listening. You know, what what were your red flags? What kind of came up for you as you heard this story? And yeah, exactly. Like I know, uh, 
just going back to when Griffin was in second grade, I spent a lot of time at the school because I was a stay-at-home mom at the time and chose to volunteer at the school when I could. And just being aware, if you're a mom working in that environment, that day-to-day life of being in an elementary school is so monotonous. Like you do the same thing over and over, but that's a good thing. So that monotony and that stability is what those kids need. And, and so I think just being aware, if you are volunteering at an elementary school, just being aware, you know, if you're, if you're there every day, you might not notice something that is, seems strange. So it's so true. It, like what, what was going on around those parents that day or the teachers? Was there something that was missed? Something that, you know, the monotony, like you're saying it, we get kind of um, comfortable, right? Yes. And maybe somebody saw something that day, maybe even 10 years later, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this and, and it kind of shakes their memory a little bit. Exactly. What's really scary about where Skyline Elementary is located, it backs up to land, like a lot of forest looking land. And okay. actually, in one of the last reports, uh, Desiree Young mentioned that they had extended their search to 100 acres of land. And she didn't specify if it was this land that was directly behind Skyline. But, um, you know, if your school does back up to forest land and what have you, that to me is a huge red flag. <laughs> That's very scary. So, yeah, so as a, a school, you know, in terms of safety, what, where is your child's school located? Exactly. What kind of property, what's around the child's school? Again, we kind of, how many of us really think about that stuff when we're enrolling our kids in school? Or, you know, do we know the policy at, at our kids' school if, if they don't show up or do we know which parent they're going to contact? I know in different um, custody scenarios, one parent may get maybe contacted and the other parent may not be. So exactly. um, So just knowing who they're going to, knowing what your school and asking those questions, you need to ask those questions. Right. You know, at the time that this happened, Portland's population was 3.8 5 million people in that city. So just thinking about it then, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of different things when you have a lot of people in your town. So just be aware and ask those questions. You need to know as a parent, what is going to happen if my child is tardy or, you know, he doesn't get marked in that day and what the school's protocol is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also have some tips on what to do if your child goes missing because I thought, how often do you know what to do? You know, I, oh, that's great. I yeah. wouldn't friggin' know what to do. I, the first thing I would do was friggin' panic. But um, obviously the first thing they say you should do is call law enforcement. And right. uh, that's number one. And what's so scary about this case is... Law enforcement wasn't called until 3.40 p.m. that day. So you have a lot of hours that went by 
of him mm-hmm. missing. So that, uh, obviously, you want to call law enforcement right away. And then the next thing, obviously, would be to look in the immediate area. So uh, I know when this happened, they did extensive searches around Skyline Elementary. And a lot of search parties went out. I think it was one of the biggest uh, organ search cases to date. So obviously, you want to look in your immediate area. And then they say you want to make yourself available. And this, to me is something that Terry didn't do. Like there's another red flag there. She didn't necessarily sure. make herself available to law enforcement. She she didn't pass two polygraph tests. There was a lot of weird shadiness going on that we've talked about. And I sure. feel like we've only touched just a little bit of the shadiness. So the, you know, red flag for me there too is she did not make herself available. And of course, if your child goes missing, you're so vulnerable. You would want to make yourself available to anybody that is there to help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you would want to inform the National Child of Missing and Exploited Children. And that's a huge uh, avenue, I guess, that you want to do. But so those are some of the tips that you wouldn't necessarily think think of on your own, I think, uh, I didn't know necessarily what to do if a child goes missing. It's so sad to think about. I mean, it's such, even in the last 10 years, I mean, I remember when my kids were growing up and they sold um, these little fingerprint cards. Yes. And so you could like order them and you put your child's fingerprint on them. And then you put like, I think I I cut out a photo of my girls, like the most current photo and you could like laminate it yourself. And it was a little like a child's ID kit so that you had like their current height, weight, photo and fingerprint. Right. Well, we have access right now to photos on our phones, right? Like videos and photos. We're so lucky right now that we have that kind of technology. Mm-hmm. But do we know how much our kids weigh? Do we know how much how tall they are? Probably I, I couldn't not. tell you my kids off the top of my head. You know, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's every parent's seriously, every parent's worst nightmare. Yes. I I worry even about my adult kids now. I worry about them every single day. I don't think it ever gets better, but, you know, there's a vulnerability to, uh, you know, a a heightened vulnerability when a child is in second grade versus adult or adult children who, you know, who are, are less vulnerable to these things happening. So, I mean, something happened. Somebody knows something Yep. There's there's somebody saw something at the school that day and maybe they just don't remember but but maybe listening to this and people keeping this story out there I know a lot of other podcasts have done this story as well you know keeping it out there maybe somebody will remember something Exactly but you know how how just even the awareness of how we approach being parents and and what do we do day to day and 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 like you said that awareness of what's going on around us for sure. because you never know for sure you do um, never know like it yeah. really uh, could happen to any of us and that's really scary that it's happening yeah. to so many more people it, it, it's just it blows my mind it really mm-hmm. does 
So um, I think we've covered what, I mean, there's so much more we want to cover on Chiron. Like I said, we talked about, you know, developing this into way more. So obviously, if anyone has any information, we would so appreciate it. You get it to us. And yeah, so any feedback, any additional information, we have an email here called unexplainedoregon at gmail.com. If you have any additional information, any feedback, um, we want to know. Who knows? Maybe we'll keep going with this if we find out more. Exactly. Um, we'll do another episode on Chiron. Yeah. If you have any any info, other stories that you want to share, maybe that you that are creepy or you know that you've always held on to and you want to share with everyone else and we can be your avenue to get it out there we would love to hear it so definitely email us those stories we would love it and um i just am having so much fun with this christine it's so this is really fun it's so fun and i i'm so proud of us and we're only going to get better from here so we are going to sign off and say thank you don't be offended and be inspired inspired